I want to take the next couple weeks and really talk about what the mission of kings is. What is it that we're here to do and accomplish and how are we going to do that? And so I've got a couple verses we're going to come from this morning. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Again, if you have the Bible app, I've got all the, all the verses there in order, so make it a little easier. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to begin at verse 17. Reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, and this is what it says. Teach those who are rich in this life, who are rich in this world, not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future. Watch this, so they may experience true Life. Everybody say experience life. Okay, one more verse. And you may, John 10, 10, John 10, 10. You may know this by heart, actually. Uh, but if you're quick with your Bible, turn there. John 10, 10. Does anybody know what it says? The thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. We want to talk about what it is to experience life this morning. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to breathe on his word and to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is life. It is light. It is instruction. It's correction when we need it. And I pray, Lord, that this morning your word would accomplish all that you have desired it to. Lord, we pray that it would dig deep roots in our hearts and that, Lord, if there's areas of our life that we need your help, that we need your direction, or that we lack the life that you desire to give us. We pray today, O oh Lord, that you would move us into that abundant life in the name of Jesus. We commit this word to you, and we thank you, Lord, for ministering to us in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody say, amen. amen. You may be seated. About, oh, I don't know, 12 years ago, I, uh, I, I had the joy of, of stepping into a whole new realm of experiences. Um, I don't know, I, I know you guys don't, we, we get to experience a little bit here on the big island what it is to drive, but I grew up in the Midwest and like, I don't know, you guys, you, you fly all the time. You want to go visit Maui, you want to go to wherever, you want to go visit family on the mainland, you just hop on a plane and you go. Well, in the Midwest, it's not unusual, this may sound crazy, to get in a car and to drive for 10 or 12 hours to go and visit. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. In fact, the, the house that Leah and I first lived in, the first church that we pastored, was literally in the middle of a cornfield. And uh, we get there's no airport that was close. You had to drive two hours to get to the airport. Then you wait two hours. By that time, man, we might as well just drive wherever we're trying to go. And uh, so I've spent a lot of time driving. But when I turned 25, my dad 
got me into something, oh, I was so thankful for motorcycles. You know what I love about motorcycles? I mean, it's one thing to drive, but if you've ever ridden a motorcycle, I'm telling you, you don't just, you don't just drive somewhere. You experience everything around you. I'm telling you, you can go places and you drive by flowers and I, it's the craziest thing. How many of you, do we have any motorcycle riders or, okay, one, two, three, praise God. Everybody needs to get a motorcycle and we're going to ride. Here's what's amazing. You begin going down the highway and you smell things that you, I mean, I tell you, I don't know what it is about the speed or whatever, but you just smell flowers in a way that you never did. You'll smell roadkill coming from a long way off. Praise God. Uh, you see the road just, just ripping away right below you. I mean, it's, it really is an amazing thing. Even like when you'll hit these different pockets of cold air and hot air, you're experiencing things around you that you never do when you're in a box. What are you talking about, Pastor Jacob? Where are you going with this? I have learned the value of experience. There's a value of experience. Man, we can get here, and this is my desire for our church. It's one thing to gather, and a lot of churches gather, and we talk about God, we sing about God, we preach about God, we pray Maybe to God, but we definitely pray about God. But, but I feel like, and this is a tragedy in this day and age, there are few places that you go that you actually experience God. And I don't know about you, but like, I mean, I think about my wife. I've been away from her not even 24 hours, and I already miss her a lot. And, you know, it's fine to FaceTime her. And a text messenger, I was texting her during the service, and I, she's probably watching online right now. Uh, and that's wonderful. But it's a whole different deal when I get to embrace her and hold her and kiss her. And I'll, guess I'll stop right there. But, you know, it's different to experience your spouse rather than just, oh, yeah, well, I know about her. Oh, I, I talked to her, but she's way out there. You guys understand what I'm saying. I'm trying to give us some, some ideas to grab onto because the mission statement that you'll see posted all over, whether it's our King Central, it's Maui, it's on our website, you'll see everywhere is we want to experience life. Experience life. Everybody say experience life. And you say, well, what does that actually mean? We're going to experience life. Well, we have a couple verses that, that gave us an idea of what this is. But let me kind of put this in context, what the Bible has to say about life and what we can experience in, in life together. Um, we all know the, the account of the fall in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. We read about how God created the world. And the highlight, the high point of this was the moment that he created man and woman. In Genesis 1, 3, uh, 31, sorry, Genesis 1, 31, it says, God saw everything he made, and indeed it was very good. Everybody say, very good. God gives good life. Good life. How many of you have ever experienced bad life? 
That's not the life that God wants to give us. It's a good life. He had said that he, was cre- he created man in his image and his likeness. Genesis 1.26, let us, the, this is the Trinity speaking, Elohim, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Did you know, this is crazy, you guys, no other No other being, no other animal, nothing else in creation was created in God's image and likeness. That is unique to us. And you say, what is image? Image is exactly what it sounds like. You you look at an image and you can see an image of a person and you say, wow, that's the shape of a person. It looks like a person. We were created in the image of God. That means we actually, in certain ways, resemble God. When Jesus took on flesh and came to this earth, he looked like us. You understand? When he showed up in different times, when when God came to Abraham, when God came to Joshua, there's different moments that God showed up physically, and every time he showed up, he was in the image of a man. And so we were created in the image, but here's what's interesting. It says that he created us in his image and his likeness. You know what likeness is? Likeness is not like the physical build. It's not not the image. Uh, likeness Likeness is everything that's on the inside. Like we kind of tick like God. We, we have the same, so God has emotions the way we have emotion. God has feelings. Uh, God desires experience and relationship. All the things that make us up, like every person wants love. Every person on the planet desires some measure of significance. I do something that matters in life. We all desire relationship one with another. And these are all things that, God created us that way because he is that way. Very interesting. He created us in his image and in his likeness. However, there are moments, and I, I just spent some time uh, before we left, and, 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 and as we were preaching in churches, the message that I carried was about this whole idea of God's manifest presence. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I've got to turn this thing into a series. I think when I finish this, I'm going to do that. This idea, you guys, that we don't yet see a full manifestation of all that God has desired to do. But when I, when we do things like communion like we did this morning, my thought constantly is, Jesus, there are people in this room and there are people in the world who have not yet received what you have purchased and made available for us. Whether that's salvation, or whether that's healing, there are things that God has made available that we have not yet received. And that's this whole idea, that, that we see things in the world that Jesus has made available to us, but we need to have some people with enough faith, with enough boldness to say, I'm going after it, God. I'm going after it, God. We don't yet see things all brought into subjection to you. I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But what I want you to understand is when God created everything, everything was good and we looked like him. And then something happened. And we all know the story. Adam and Eve were given a choice in the garden. This is all yours. And and understand, um, mandated love is not love at all. 
Obligatory love is not love at all. This is why God gave Adam and Eve a choice. I mean, you understand, uh, I, I don't know if anybody grew up in the kind of household where, you know, you, you had maybe an authoritarian kind of parent who even made you come give me a hug or, you know, come in. It's like, I don't want to. But there's a different thing when you've got this love, this natural affection, and, and you want to embrace, you know, a, a parent or a father figure. So you know what I'm talking about. Maybe that's not the best example. But you understand, God didn't create us as robots. He gave us all choice. He gave us a responsibility. You're going to choose whether you serve me or not. You're going to choose whether you go after me or not. Adam and Eve had that choice, and we know they did not make the right choice. And because of that, the Bible says that death entered in. Literally in that moment, they became the living dead. They were alive on the outside, but spiritually they had died, and there began a process of this gradual decay where we know in the natural they eventually died as well. And that's virtually how everything has been. We went from perfect life to now decay and death. And this is the world system since nearly the very beginning of creation. In fact, the devil has now operated with a realm and a measure of authority. You'll notice the Bible talks about Satan and in 1 John 5.19. It calls him the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians makes it very clear that, that, that Satan has a realm and a measure of authority. Even Jesus, before he was crucified, he's like, I'm, I'm about to do something that is going to cause the ruler of this world to come down so you understand satan has had a measure of authority over all mankind over the earth since the fall but what jesus has come to do oh my goodness he wants us to experience life the devil has come what did we say to steal all right are you guys with me this morning he has come to what steal Right, and, and Jesus has come for what? That we would, we would experience life and life abundantly. And so we have to ask the question, all right, we see and we experience death, but, but Jesus has come to give us life. And so we must ask the question when we come into the grace of God, what does that mean for us? Like why, why do we believe for eternal life? On what ground? If, if the devil has dominion and authority in the earth, well, why would we believe for freedom at all? Why would we believe for authority at all? And I'm telling you, church, it's time. I got so stirred when Hennessy was here just a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jim Hennessy. He made a statement, and I, I think this needs to be part of a series that I'm going to do in the future. You guys remember? He talked about how in this fatherless generation, We've done a good job, we have done a good job in maybe the last 20 or so years teaching about identity, sonship, what we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We've done a good job with that. There's a lot of ministries that carry that. We do it in our encounters. I know YWAM, you've got entire tracks dedicated to that. We're all trying to come into this. What does it mean that I'm a son or a daughter of the Most High God? I have an inheritance, I am received, I have a heavenly Father. What a joy. The problem, you want to know what the problem is? We were never made to stop there. 
Because how many know, I don't know if you got any 30 or 40 year olds that are still living in your basement, but uh, there comes a point in time where we are, and I know it's a little different in, in Hawaii, okay? So if you got, you got someone living in the Ohana dwelling and all that, yeah, that may be out of necessity. We got parents that come move back in with the family. I understand all that. But you understand, there comes a point in time where it's time for a son or a daughter to begin to step into adulthood, it's time to get off the milk, and it's time to become an adult. And what the Bible talks about, I think I'm preaching to you a future sermon that I'm going to preach to you, okay? What I, what I see that we lack is where are the people who will step in as kings and priests unto our God? Where, where are the people that will begin to step into ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ? The way we said, I, I feel like we've got so many that are over here and like, I want to know him as my dad. I need my, you know, we, we, we stay in our, in our daddy issues. And, and God's over here saying, I want you to take dominion and authority over the earth. That which I shed my blood for, I need someone to go after it. That's why I, I, I'm so thankful to be a part of a, of a church like King's. Cindy Jacobs makes a statement that faith is always operating in the red. What does that mean? You're never going to have enough. You'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough manpower. You'll never have the emotional strength. I don't know what I'm going to say or do. Faith is always operating in the red. This building was a step of faith. We didn't have the money to pay for this, but right in the height of the pandemic, we said, let's buy a building. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for an apostolic leader. My faith said, let's rent a room. Dr. Morocco's faith said, let's buy a building. And if we can't buy the land, we're not getting the building. And so we began to dig. And God opened the door. You know the story. God opened the door for us not only to buy out the lease on this building. So now we own the building. But he also made the connection for us to purchase the land on which this building sits. And now we own everything that's all around us right here. Why is that important? There needs to be people who say, God, this belongs to you. And we're going to take literal territory for your glory to be made manifest here on the earth. There's got to be people who say, Lord, wherever you call us to go, we're going to take the land and we're going we're to establish the kingdom of God. Guys, you understand Sin and death is ruling and reigning on most of the world. This is why it is so important for the people of God to say, we're going to see your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth just as it is in heaven. Jesus, if you have shed your blood and made this available for us, we're going to do everything we can to see your kingdom stretch everywhere it possibly can. This is huge. This is huge. So, what, as we step into the kingdom of God, there's a number of things that you, you must recognize. There are things that are permitted in the kingdom, and there are things that are not permitted in the kingdom. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.26 that Jesus has appeared at the fulfillment of the age to abolish sin and for all by the sacrifice of himself. So, now this is kind of cool if you look at it this way. Satan has come. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I'm telling you, the primary way the enemy is going to steal from your life is through sin. 
as we yield in that place of temptation, it will rob us of intimacy with God. It will rob us of our power in prayer. It will rob us of a sensitivity, a nearness of the Holy Spirit, being led by his spirit. But thank God, Jesus has appeared to abolish sin once for all by the sacrifice of himself. Do you understand, church? Oh, I hope somebody is listening today. You and I no longer need to live dominated by sin any longer. We can be free because Jesus has abolished sin. The power of sin that rules. I, I just, I, I love, man, when I, when I go, I, I, I was in Branson uh, a couple weeks ago, and I shared my testimony, how God delivered me from drug addiction. And I love, I love when people come up to me and just like, I can't even hardly picture you as a drug addict. I can't even imagine what you would be like. You wouldn't have wanted to know me at that point in my life. But it's amazing because why? I don't carry around that identity any longer. I don't have temptation to go and, and do drugs any longer. In fact, I, <coughs> excuse me, I shared the testimony a couple weeks ago how I was, uh, I, I was cleaning out a rental car. I told you this, guys, right? I was cleaning out a rental car, and I found uh, in, the, in the car somebody had left a little nugget of weed. Now, there was a time in my life that thing would have messed me up, man. Like, oh, you know. It was the first time as I took that out, I remember holding it in my hand, and it was the first time in almost 20 years that I've held, that I've held weed like that. And, um, and, I, and I remember looking at that thing, and I threw it on the ground. I actually took out my phone. I had to take a video for my brother, uh, who's also been delivered, and my wife. Uh, you know, accountability is a good thing, praise God. And I took out my phone, and I began to record, and I stomped on that thing, and I ground it into the, into the ground. And uh, being free, you guys... It's a joy to be free. It's a joy that I'm not in bondage to that, to that entire world any longer. How many are sitting here in the room today and you say, God has set me free. I used to be bound and held down by some stuff, but God has abolished that sin in my life. I desire that for everybody. Satan's not going to steal from us any longer. God desires to give us life through the abolishing of sin. Now, another area you'll see, Hebrews 2, 14, it says God's children are uh, they're human beings made of flesh and blood. So the Son of God also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil and uh, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who live their lives as slave to the fear of dying. Oh my goodness. You remember the devil. He came to steal primarily through sin. Jesus has abolished it. But the second thing you'll notice here is the devil came to kill. But I have good news for you, church. Within the kingdom of God, for the people of God, we're not being killed any longer. The devil has lost the authority that he once had, the power of death. That's what it says in Hebrews. He could break the power of the devil who had the power of death and set free all who lived as slaves to the fear of dying. This is good news, friend. You and I don't need to be afraid of death. 
We don't have to be subject to eternal death any longer. It's part of what Jesus has come to offer us. In the kingdom of God, there's no death. I love the way that the Apostle Paul talks about believers. He talks in Corinthians. He says, I don't want you to mourn the way that the world mourns over those. And this is what he says, over those who have gone to sleep. You ever notice that? The Bible doesn't even, in the New Testament, like these guys had such an assurance of eternal life that when they talk about people who'd gone to be with the Lord, they didn't say they died. They're dead. No, they've gone to sleep. I like to say they've gone to be with the Lord. They have gone to sleep. I mean, it's, it's more, you understand, New Testament theology compares death more to a nap than anything else. Like, uh, all right, you know, again, I, I always think about my wife, especially when she's not here. I go, you know, we, we did a FaceTime just before we were going to bed, and I love you, and she's going to sleep, and, and I'll see her tomorrow. Praise God. And, uh, but you understand, like, that's, like, that's the way it is with our friends and our loved ones who've gone to be with the Lord. Like, it's more like, all right, good night. I'll see you in a little bit. You need to think about that. This is part of the life that God wants to offer us. What a joy. I, I don't know if you've been around people as they've, as they've died. I've, I've been in the room with people. They called me. And I've, I mean, I, it, it's a terrifying thing. I've watched people deny God on their deathbed. And the, and the fear that is in the room in that moment, it's a terrifying thing. But I'll never forget another moment. My wife and I, we went actually just to, to pray with a family as a guy. He was in his late 80s, and he was, he was ready to go be with Jesus. And so uh, I'm always willing to pray for miracles, of course, but, uh, but he was ready. He wanted to be with the Lord. And so we went, and as we walked into that hospital room, I'll never forget, uh, the doctor came in almost the same time that my wife and I did and said, uh, it's only a matter of minutes now before, before he's going to pass. And so the family turns to us and they say, would you stay with us until, until he goes? I said, yeah, yeah. And so we prayed, and uh, we prayed, and I read some scripture, but you know, it was, it was taking a little while, and so we were just sitting there, and one of the family members then asked, he said, could we maybe sing a worship song? I said, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And so we began to sing, uh, It Is Well. We began to sing this song, and, uh, and I remember I, I pulled it up on my phone, and we began to play the song, and there's a moment where the chorus really built up in that particular version of the song. The chorus begins to build up, and I'm telling you guys, I felt the most incredible presence of God come into that room in that moment as me and my wife and, and this family all worship right here around this hospital bed about around this man who was to go be with Jesus. We felt this presence come in, and, and you couldn't time this sort of thing. As the chorus was lifted up in this song, we're all singing and we're declaring, and we feel the presence of God come and just begin to surround us in a powerful, powerful way. And, the, and then the song begins to fade out, and at the very moment the song began to go, we felt the presence lift, and in that exact moment, his his heartbeat went flatline. 
I believe we experienced a moment where God, his angels, I don't know how all that works. I think it's angels. Angels came in and, and took him and ushered him into heaven. We got to be there for that very moment. And I'm telling you, there was a, I, I mean, yeah, you, you miss people, but I, I'm telling you, there was a joy and a rejoicing over a saint who has now gone on to his reward and he's with Jesus. I'll tell you, the sting of death has been defeated in the cross. You understand that? Like, you and I don't have to grieve over those who, who go, I wish somebody was getting excited with me this morning. Uh, the power of death has been broken through the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. In 1 John 5, 11, the Bible says this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Oh my goodness. The devil has come to steal through sin. Jesus has broken the power of sin. He has come to kill, but we see that the power of death has been broken through the work of Jesus. And we know the enemy has come to destroy. He's come to destroy our life. But the Bible says that those who have Jesus, we have the life of God. He's given us eternal life. So you understand, every, in one act, see, the devil's got three jobs. God only needs one job. This is pretty cool. The devil, I'm going to steal, I'm going to kill, I'm going to destroy. But Jesus in his life bringing has eradicated every attempt of the enemy. One act on the cross was enough to defeat every attempt of the enemy to derail and destroy your life, friend. There's not some secret. I, I, I hope that you leave here encouraged today. Because I don't know if you feel like I'm being stolen from. I feel like I'm being killed. I feel like my life is being destroyed. Some of us have walked through seasons like that. Maybe you're going through something like that today. And you're here today and you're wondering, what do I need to do? What's the formula? How, how do I fix this problem? Friend, it's not complicated. It's not difficult. There's not a secret prayer. There's not some, some formula. Well, when you, when you complete this class, then I'm going to tell you really how you can. No. One thing that you and I must do. One thing that you and I must do. Do you want to know what that is? 1 John 5, 4. Every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. All it takes is one moment of surrender and say, Jesus, I believe in all that you have done. I believe in all that you've accomplished. Now release to me your life. Release to me your life. All it is is in one moment of surrender where we say, God, I trust you and I believe in you and I want to receive your life. Church, he wants us to experience life. Not just have a theology about life. I hope you don't walk away with here. Well, now I have a theology for, how, for life. I love theology. I love Bible study. Absolutely. But who cares if you know stuff if you've not experienced it? Who cares if you can explain to somebody a doctrine, but you have not 
received what God has done. So we're going to experience life. Now, one thing that I want to highlight as we, as we draw this message to a close, and we're going to pray. And maybe you're here and you've got an aspect, I, I need to experience God's life. I need to experience his life. Well, something that I, I want, and we read the verse, and you may wonder, for those who take good notes and are paying attention to outlines, you're thinking, Pastor Jacob, you read a verse at the beginning of this message, and you've not gone back to that yet. I did that on purpose. I want to highlight something in 1 Timothy chapter 6 here that's very important for us to receive. It says, teach those, and this is 1 Timothy 6, 17. It's the first verse we read together. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud or to trust in money. It's unreliable. Their trust should be or their faith should be in God. He richly gives us all things we need for enjoyment. Tell them to use their money for good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future, and they will experience true life. I don't know if you've met people like this, but I grew up in a church, and not a spirit-filled church, And everywhere I went, in every conversation I had, it was always something like, one day, when we get to heaven, all the pain is going to go. One day, when we get to heaven, all all temptation is going to be gone. One day, when we, everything was always one day, one day when we get there, one day when we get there, all the problems are going to be done, and then we can experience true life. Now, Now, friend, listen, I agree with that. I do agree with that. I believe that with all of my heart. My spiritual father, he died riddled with cancer, but now is experiencing full healing, a new body, glory with God. I mean, it's wonderful. I believe that. I do believe that. But what I feel so many have done is like, do you notice when we read this Timothy text, when he talks about how we can experience true life, he talks first, he talks about how we are to store up treasure in heaven. There is an eternity and there's things that we're doing now that affect the way that we will live for all eternity. You understand that? But There is a lot of life on this side of eternity that God wants us to experience right now. You don't have to wait to be free from sin. You don't have to wait to have the destruction in your life brought to wholeness and healing. You don't have to wait to to see God release his healing touch in your physical body. You understand, there's things that we are to contend for today, right now. That God desires to do in our midst. I, I, love what it, I love what it says in this present life and in the life to come. I find that people are either consumed with one or the other. You got people, they don't care anything about eternity. All they want is, well, make my life look good right here on the earth. And that's dangerous. I've already explained to you the danger of, of the other view. What I want to live is with this balance. God... I want to receive all that you have for me here in this life, here in this time. But I'm going to be conscious that everything that I do in this life, I mean, this is the dressing room for eternity, friend. And the things that we do here will determine how we spend the rest of eternity. And I want to look good on Judgment Day. I don't know about you, 
I'm going to look good on Judgment Day. Worship team, would you come? We're going we're gonna to pray about some things. We've got just a few minutes. And I don't want to just, I don't want you to just hear preaching today. I want you to experience what I'm talking about. There's only two things, friend. And really, they're, they're very closely related. But Timothy mentions two things that will hinder you from experiencing what God desires you to experience. You'll notice here in verse 17, he says, don't be proud. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be proud. <laughs> Look at your other neighbor and tell him, don't be proud. That's important. You know, one of the things that will hinder us from receiving all that God has is pride. It's pride. I got this. I can handle. We have these areas of pride that, that crop up in our life and just say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody to know that I've, I've got pain in my life. I don't want anybody to know that I've got a struggle in my life. I don't want, and, and so we keep our mouth closed. We don't come for moments of prayer. We don't share with anybody in a, in a, in a life group setting or, you know, accountability, whatever it may be. We never go. We never seek. Maybe there's even a place where it's like, no, I, I got this. I can, I can handle it. We think we're going we're gonna to fix ourselves. I, I, I've mentioned before, one of the goofiest, comical places you could ever go is the self-help section in a bookstore. Why? You're going to go, you're going to help yourself get yourself out of the problems you got yourself into? That doesn't work that way, friend doesn't work that way we need we need Jesus he's the life giver he's the healer he's the yoke breaker he's the sin destroyer he we need Jesus we need Jesus and there has to come a point in every one of our lives in fact you'll notice the Bible says that as you submit to God and resist the devil he must flee so everything that he attempts to steal, to kill, and destroy, you, you want to know, it's in that moment of surrender. Faith in Jesus. Again, I told you, it's not a, it's not a secret process or prayer. No, it's surrender and faith in Jesus. That's it. Give yourself to him. Pride is the only thing that will hold us back. Pride is the only thing that will hold us back. And the other thing... I love what it says here in, in verse 17. It says, don't put your trust in money. Don't put your trust in wealth. We need to put our faith in Jesus. Now, I believe, guys, I believe for wealth. And I believe God's going to raise up wealthy people. I rejoice. He has brought in wealthy people into our midst. And we got some poor people that have become wealthy people. And that's wonderful. That's awesome. We need it. We're believing for more to flow into this church this year than ever in history. Last year was the greatest giving year for kings. We're praying. Do you know worldwide we pray for $3 million a month to come in just to keep the operations of, of our church going? $3 million a month. Pray for $20,000 a week right here in Kona. And God's doing it. God's doing it. So I believe for wealth. But the moment that your confidence and your security and your assurance comes in what you possess, you've missed it, friend. Well, I've got a beautiful home. I've got a vehicle. I've got a great job. Friend, 
None of that will matter on the day that we meet God face to face. Would you stand to your feet all across the room? Um, don't put your trust in wealth. I don't know why this story comes to mind, but I, I remember a number of years ago, one of the wealthiest men on the planet, Steve Jobs, I used to, you know, I used to watch all the, all the broadcasts. I wanted to see all the new stuff that was coming out from Apple. Um, I was always excited about that kind of stuff. So when he died, I don't know about you guys. There's some conspiracy theories that are floating in my brain every once in a while. I don't know if you guys ever get like that. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure they got a cure for cancer out there and I, there's reasons they don't. But that kind of struck me weird, man, because it's like if there was anybody who would have access to the cancer cure, it would be that guy. It would be that guy. He'd pay somebody and get that. But he died. Trusting in wealth, it, it got him nowhere. The man was not a believer. I don't know what may, of course, happen in the last days. I'm not his judge. But I tell you, his faith and his wealth got him nowhere when he stood before God. All we have, friend, we have one responsibility, and it's to surrender our lives to the Lord. To put our faith in him, I love what Hebrews 12, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. That's what God is calling every one of us to do today, is to put our faith in Jesus. That's how we're going to experience life. I want every head bowed, everyone praying right now. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, the devil has stolen from me. The devil has stolen from me. There's things that are going on in my life, and I know that I, I know I'm in bondage in areas. I know I've been captive in areas, and the enemy has had his way. There's, there's a purity that's been stolen. There's a joy that's been stolen. Uh, you know, whatever it may be, relationships that have been stolen has been destroyed because of the way that the enemy has worked in my life. You say, Pastor, I want to pray. I want to receive the life of Jesus Christ. I want the power of sin. I want the destruction of sin to be broken off of my life. If that be you, nobody looking around just between me, you, and Jesus today. If you say, that's me, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at so I know who I'm praying for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so many, so many, so many. Okay. If you're here and you say, there's things in my life I've got a fear of death, I don't have an assurance of, of eternity, but I want to be sure before I leave here today, the devil has come to kill, but I have assurance that, that Jesus has come to give us life and life abundant. If you want the fear of death, of eternal death, and you want the hope of eternal life, I want you right now, would you just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for this morning. Yeah, I see you there. I see you there. Are there others? I see you. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And here's the last one. The devil has come to destroy. He's come to destroy. And there's areas we can look in our life. And yeah, uh, the, the, the enemy has sought opportunity. He's destroyed aspects of my life. But I want to believe God for total restoration. 
I want to believe that God will make all things new in me. Friend, one of the things I love about the Lord, the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning, every day. And you and I have the opportunity right now in this very moment, whatever's been stolen, whatever been killed, whatever's been destroyed, we can step into the life of Jesus Christ.